Fun fact, uh, my first job was at Chuck E. Cheese's, and my first day there was 19 years ago, and I also feel ancient. Uh, having my orientation the day before 9-11 uh, should have been a sign, but I stayed there for like six more years. So that said, if you had to dress up like a famous anthropomorphic animal, who would it be? I already had to do this, so I am exempting myself from this week. Uh, Lydia, let's start with you. See, I'm going to play a little like loose with this question because it's technically an anthropomorphic animal. So if I had to dress up as somebody, I would be Chica from Five Nights at Freddy's 2. Okay, okay. Uh, Tabitha. There is no moment <laughs> in my life or in the world where I would ever do this or ever allow any of you to do this in my presence. So I feel like I'm exempt from this question based on rage alone. <laughs> If you would never allow us to do this, like, where were you all those years? Where were you 19 years ago? Hold on, math. Where was I 19 years ago? Well, how many years ago was 19? Can I get a date? What was it? <laughs> it was 2001. Like, I oh, started Chuck E. Cheese. I was in high school, and I would have made fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was. <laughs> Matt, what about you? I guess... If I had to pick one, it would have to be one of the Thundercats. Just because, I don't know. I grew up on that cartoon, so... Well, I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably. I hate <laughs> all of you. <laughs> so, Matt, if you're Lion-O, does that make Tabitha snarf? Snarf, snarf. <laughs> if looks could kill, you would be dead through a computer screen right now. <laughs> Oh, worth it. Uh, totally Mitch worth Bear's it. Glad I'm like four shots of vodka in my day. <laughs> You're listening to the Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. So we're going to start tonight off. Uh, Matt, we've got some news that I don't think anybody uh, of us expected. Um, the Walking Dead is about to die. Uh, <laughs> is it, though? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's typical Walking Dead. It's undead. Um, we got news that The Walking Dead will be ending after season 11. Uh, they're going to do a supersized season of 24 episodes. No word on whether it's going to be uh, two 12-episode halves or three eight-episode like chunks. Because right now it's two eight-episode like halves to each season. Um, so they don't they didn't specify that. But um, Scott Gimble has been quoted as saying that this is a grand finale that will lead to new premieres. So The Walking Dead is going to end, but the universe is going to continue. Is it? It's 2020. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> right. So right now they have two spinoff series planned already coming out of the finale. One based on Daryl and Carol, which just sounds like it should be an 80s sitcom, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> I mean, I those two up. characters. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to come up with how you would put their name together, but like, if you do that, it's just Daryl or Carol because this <laughs> like <laughs> you can't really change that. Anyway, um, and the other one is going to be called Tales from the Walking Dead. It's going to be an anthology series that is going to follow different characters in each episode. And Gimple has said that they're doing that because they still have, like, these characters and these actors that they like, and they want to see more of, like, what they do in the future. Um, They've also said that apparently, not just those two shows, but there are additional spinoff shows currently in development. So... I mean, as we've said before, The Walking Dead continues to beat the undead horse. And even though the main series is ending, we're going to have more Walking Dead in the future. They just keep did on. They, did they ever even do anything with the, like, Rick spinoffs that they were talking about? Because wasn't it supposed to be, like, three movies with him that they, like, never did anything with? Yes, and those are also still in development as well. Um, there was some debate initially on whether those would be theatrical releases or they would be like made for TV like spinoffs. I don't think that's actually been decided, but the understanding that I got from the article was that those are still definitely a real, like a real thing. I feel like if this announcement came out five years ago, I think there'd be a lot of excitement about it, but um, I don't, feel that excitement in this room slash these rooms since we're not together right now. Um, <laughs> and, and I, and I do think that cause if they already split the season into two halves, they are absolutely mm-hmm. going to split this huge season into three, maybe even four parts. And yeah. I hate when series do that because it's like, then it's not a season, you know, yeah. it's, it's like many seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like, and if they're still like, oh, hey, we want to still keep doing all these characters and stuff, then why not just continue this main series? Continue the main series, but shift the focus to where, you know, and and yes, Daryl is already one of the main characters, I understand that, but shift the focus to where it is Daryl and Carol as, you know, the absolute focus, but it's still The Walking Dead. (laughs) Because, I mean, that's basically what they're doing anyway, sounds like. And I know that part of the reason they're doing that is because Daryl and Carol are <laughs> the two most popular characters. That are still alive. The, right, that are still alive. But I, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's, it's already been too much. And it just needs to, like, it needs to have run its course and, and to move on. Yeah. It needs a bullet in the head. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't get over Daryl and Carol. Like, I want it to be, like, a 1950s sitcom. Like, Ricky and Lucy and Dick Van Dyke and Mary. And, like, I mean, <laughs> just, like that's what I'm seeing oh, in my head. Daryl and and instead, of, instead of Dick Van Dyke, you know, tripping over the Ottoman or whatever, it's Daryl tripping over a zombie. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> I watch that. <laughs> See, I, I just keep going back. I think Carol and Daryl, and then, like me being super old thinks about the Bob Newhart show where he ran the hotel. Oh and yeah. At the end, 
and the handyman uh-huh. were Larry, Daryl, and Daryl. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking Carol, Daryl, and Daryl. I'm like, I just. <laughs> Hey, Daryl, you just yeah. keep going? I just want to say Carol, Daryl, and Daryl and keep going. Daryl just... and his other brother, Daryl? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we've got some new information on some changes that the Oscars are going to make for their best picture category. Now, this is only going to affect the best picture category, not necessarily any of the others. So it's representation and inclusion standards uh, to be eligible for Best Picture. It's going to start with the 96th Oscars, which is going to take place in 2024. Um, A film must meet two of the four standards to be eligible. And this is so many words. So, so many words. So standard A is on-screen representation, themes, and narratives. So to achieve this standard, you have to meet one of the following criteria. Uh, At least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group, general ensemble cast, at least 30% of all actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following represented groups, including women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ+, or people with cognitive or physical disabilities. And the third one for this standard is main storyline slash subject matter. The main storyline... theme or narrative of the film is centered on an underrepresented group, which is those same groups that I just mentioned. The second standard is creative leadership and project team. So to achieve this, you must meet one of the following criteria. Uh, At least two of the following creative leadership positions and department heads, uh, casting director, composer, costume designer, et cetera, et cetera, um, are from the same four underrepresented groups. Uh, at least one of those positions must belong to a underrepresented racial or ethnic group. Um, at least six other crew slash team and technical positions are from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. And then also overall crew composition, uh, at least 30% of the film's crew is from the four underrepresented groups. Industry access and opportunities. Uh, the film's distribution or financing company has paid apprenticeships or internships that are from the fo- uh, the underrepresented groups, um, training opportunities and skill development, uh, and then also audience development is the last standard. Uh, representation in marketing, publicity, and distribution. It must, yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot of rules or whatever, and I get it to a certain extent. Um, not everybody is happy. Uh, none other than Kirstie Alley, uh, tweeted after these were announced, <laughs> uh, quote, this is a disgrace to the artists everywhere. Uh, can you imagine telling Picasso what he'd, uh, have to have in his effing paintings? You people have lost your minds, control artists, control individual thoughts, caps lock, Oscar Orwell. And then later she also said, uh, quote, diversity and inclusion should be taught uh, taught so well and so naturally and genuinely that it becomes second nature to our children. I get what the Oscars are trying to do. I feel like they're doing a little too much. I feel like you have to check a lot of boxes just to, you know. But at the same time, I do feel like, and I could be wrong, especially with some more of the behind-the-scenes thing, but, like, I feel like a lot of movies that are up for Best Picture hit a lot of those benchmarks already. You know, mm-hmm. um, I feel like they're trying to tackle the whole Oscar so white problem, but they're not focusing on the right 
part of the problem. Also, where did Kirstie Alley come from? I thought she was dead. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just her career. I love it when like big breaking news like this happens and somebody that I literally thought was deceased is like, I have an opinion. And I'm like, you can't have an opinion. You're dead. What are you doing here? (laughs) Get back in your coffin. (laughs) Right? Get back in your coffin, Kirstie Alley. Nobody invited you. Like, I just... I don't know. Like I under like I agree with you, Mitch. I understand what they're doing. That's a lot of boxes to check. But I feel like they had to do something, or mm-hmm. we're gonna keep having the same problems over and over and over. And since this isn't being implemented until what did you say, twenty twenty four? It gives people a chance to be like, oh, this is what I need to do to not be basically a shitty human and you know be more inclusive in my film. Like. You're not telling Picasso what to do because Picasso was one man working by himself with some paint. Like, he wasn't bringing in a giant group of people. Like, you you can't do one thing with a group of white dudes and expect everybody to be like, oh, good job, white dudes. Like, we have politics for that. Like, I don't need it in my movies. So, like, <laughs> truth. Um, they are, like, I, I believe it's starting with the, the next Oscars. Uh, they are requiring for you to be eligible for the best picture to fill out a form that basically is asking like, okay, do you have this, 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 you know? Um, But if you don't meet those benchmarks next year, you can still be eligible, but it's 2024 is when it's like when everything is in effect. Right. I mean, my first thought was why is it taking so long to implement them? And then I was thinking about the overall like movie creation process and how long that takes. Yeah. So then it kind of makes sense on why it's not going to be implemented until 2024. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it does seem like a lot of hoops, but like it's something that is probably necessary in order to be more inclusionary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kirstie Alley's second point is like, is essentially why, why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Like when they start setting these benchmarks, eventually these benchmarks are going to be things that are not thought about. They're going to be things that are just part of like, they're, they're not going to be something like, Oh, well, I don't quite have enough of this particular group. Like it, there's going to be more people that are involved of these underrepresented groups that are able to get into these positions because of this type of inclusion. Mm-hmm. And then that field is going to grow in all walks of life. So then all of these people like it's just like it's it's gonna be a snowball type of thing i would think that you know at some point like these numbers won't be necessary essentially like they will just be natural yeah so yeah and that's and that's kind of what i was thinking too like it's you know we we have to start somewhere got a couple of press releases before we get into a couple reviews so uh from Vault, Resonant is returning with issue six in December uh, with new Itis artist, Itis? Skylar <laughs> um, Patridge, uh, who was on uh, Relics of Youth. So the synopsis for the next uh, arc for Resonant says that Paxton, Claire, and Mickey uh, enact their plan to escape Honcho's Island, but they won't get away without a fight. The arrival of Preacher, Ma, and, fo- and their followers interrupts Ty's new life with the congregation, while Beck struggles uh, to protect the family homestead from other hungry visitors. 
so yeah, so I'm excited for that. Uh, also, the Autumnal has sold out at the distributor level uh, two weeks before release and is going back to print. A new cover and release date for the second printing will be announced soon. Uh, also, um, Valiant has announced that they're going to uh, be at New York Comic Con's Metaverse uh, with an online panel titled Valiant Heads to Hollywood. Uh, it will go into details on a currently classified new series, as well as its new take on a classic Valiant team. Other secrets, artwork, and details on Valiant's upcoming comics will also be revealed. I'm super excited about the whole autumnal thing, because I already have that on my poll list. So I'm super excited for when that releases to see if that, uh, you know, sticks with the rest of those other horror imprint titles like that we got last year mm -hmm. yeah and with the autumnal I, I remember when we talked about it a few weeks ago um yeah it sounds really cool and for me uh, who's not somebody who's a super big on the horror train like i'm i'm excited for that as well yeah uh first book that we're going to review tonight is commanders in crisis uh it's out october 14th from image by steve orlando and uh david uh, tinto so the last living survivors of alternate Earths come to the final Earth standing with superheroic identities uh, to ensure uh, it lives on. Uh, the final order cutoff for this book is September 21st, and the order code is AUG200037. Uh, you can get it at, you can ask for this at your local comic shop. I'm not going to lie. This was such a fun read. Um, it's for me, like, it's always hard to introduce, like, a brand new superhero, uh, but let alone, you know, like, an entire team. But I feel like that both uh, Orlando and Tinto did a really good job of giving each hero a moment uh, to kind of give us a taste of who they are. Um, and also, like, I really enjoy some of these powers. Like, these aren't powers that you normally see. Uh, like, you've got Prizefighter, who is, as like, in the, you know, the book that describes him as strong as the crowds uh, hope that he is. And then you also have Originator, who innovates vocabulary and alters reality. I was actually, I was excited for this book even before we got a chance to read it. So um, I really do, like, I'm such a fan of this. I really thought that it's, like, kind of the best intro to a team that I've read in a really, really long time. Matt, I know you also got a chance to read it. What did you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I definitely do appreciate the um, the different takes on the superpowers. Um, <clears throat> like um, Sawbones is what they call him, a combat medic. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but basically he sees like the x-ray vision almost, but sees the weaknesses and is able to pick those off. Um, Originator is like it, – it, exactly my type of superhero like that was fantastic <laughs> being able to put words that like create these multi multi-syllabic words that change reality that that was awesome yeah um and i liked the the kind of like the twist i guess almost with seer and her power in regards to the quantum realm mm -hmm. um and how that like uses her power takes her power um i don't know i did i enjoyed this i am it, it was, it was a really, it was, I thought it was a good introduction to a new team for like new superheroes that we don't know. Um, and I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how this 
flushes out and continues. Uh, also, we have uh, Bleed Them Dry, number three. Uh, it is out September 16th. I did it again. I have to witness it this time. Wow. I'm so proud of you. Are you, though? <laughs> I am, actually. It's impressive that you make the same error twice. He's consistent. <laughs> so, I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, so this is out September 16th from Vault. Uh, it's by Elliot Rahal and DK Ruan. Uh, so... Issue three is months after Detective Harper Holloway went missing and Detective Atticus Black uh, got reconstructed. Uh, Atticus hunts down the Vampire Slayer while Harper is working with uh, the Vampire Slayer, who is Toyo, who knows the truth about these vampires, um, and they're working to bring Atticus Treason's light. Uh, Matt, let's start with you on this one. This series, I don't know. It's just, it's everything for me. I think this is a fantastic series. Um, I also... Yes, I'm slow. I'm behind the curve. Whatever. Um, I finally realized, looking at the logo for this, that the um, there's fangs that are on the outsides of the first two letters of bleed <laughs> on the on the logo. Um, yeah, figure figure that out. You know, I'm behind things. Figure that out. Um, but anyway, I um, I read two and three um, to kind of catch up for this. Um, I was a little confused initially at the time jump. Um, but it was a, a quick reacclimation to figure out what had happened. I really can't say enough of good things about this series. I love the art. I love the story. The combination of sci-fi and vampire and Asian elements um, in this story is just, it, it's, I don't know, it, it's just fantastic. It's creative. It's new. Like, we always talk about how Hollywood just continues to revamp old ideas and reboot things this is this is a new idea and this is fantastic i love it yeah i really enjoy how like because i actually i i read issue two and then i was like you know i don't remember a whole lot about this so i actually went back and reread one before going to three so i was way out of order but um <laughs> But rereading one <clears throat> kind of reminded me how, like, this almost started off as, like, I don't want to quite say a buddy cop story, but it definitely uh, had those kind of elements to it. And it's just tra changed so much. There's, you know, now there's, like, a lot of intrigue and, you know, uh, trust issues, you know, like, because Harper, I mean, she definitely doesn't trust Atticus anymore, but she still doesn't really trust Toyo either. Um no. Or at least she kind of sees, like, his acts as futile. Um, yeah. But I do also, I really like how, you know, there is this idea. And, like, and this is something that, you know, I even remember hearing about in, uh, like, high school history. You know, how, like, the winners of war get to rewrite history to make them the good guys, you know. And that's mm -hmm. what, you know, that's what these, you know, vampires have done. But, yeah, I, I really do. I, I agree with you, Matt. This has been a fun ride. I now have zero idea where they're going with it. No, but but I'm still I'm here for it. Like, just take me take me wherever you're going, and we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, before we get to gut reaction, just a real quick thing that I want to point out: uh, Comicsology currently has more than 200 uh, digital single issues of Black Panther books for free. 
Um, titles include the current run by Ta-Nehisi Coates, as well as spinoffs featuring Shuri and Killmonger. Um, there's no timetable on to, as to how long this offer is going to last. Uh, so, I mean, I, and Comixology, they're not promoting this at all. You know, they very much speculated they're doing, they're doing this to honor Chadwick Boseman. Um, but yeah, but if, you know, especially if you're kind of new to Black Panther, you're not really sure about the character, take this opportunity to, to get yourself some free comics and educate yourself. That's what I did. Like, I, I think I told you guys, I accidentally downloaded like 30 plus <laughs> issues. But, you know, Accidentally. Whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> We're going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're going to get started with some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we're going to start tonight with Matt, and we've got a, finally got the trailer for Dune. We did. We got like trailer after, like tra- teaser trailer after teaser trailer um, for Dune, and finally, uh, what, yesterday morning, mm-hmm. the official trailer dropped for this. I had seen a lot of things about how even Star Wars borrowed things from Dune, you know, when Star Wars became a thing. I, when I found out that this was becoming a movie, Dune moved up considerably on my uh, TV red list. Uh, but this trailer knocks it up even higher. Um, this looks, it looks grand. It looks epic. It looks impressive. Um, it looks well done. The sandworms look terrifying. Um, <laughs> Even if they do look like things that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, buttholes with teeth. Um, <laughs> That's an image. Right? Um, I don't Just know. be careful this with trailer. the clinch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I've now watched this trailer twice. I'm probably going to watch it at least a couple more times to see what else I can pick out of this. Um <laughs> Wow. Lydia Bell. For who? <laughs> it wasn't even on purpose. Matt. Okay. Tampa. Uh. So I didn't know until this trailer came out that I had been waiting like my entire life for Timothy Chalamet to play Paul Atreides. But I have. And here we are. And I'm getting it. And I'm happy. Um, I read Dune in junior high. And enjoyed it but also felt like i was reading something that was a chore and that's the only time i've ever read dune but i this makes me want to reread it but i I, okay so i'm having problems with this trailer (laughs) like this trailer looks like i wanted dune to read like and dune did not read like this trailer like this trailer looks like dune the book on speed Because doing the book is like 70 words about nothing for 80% of the book. And then action and backstory for the rest of the book. So I want this, but I want to reread the book so this can feel even better. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go thumbs sideways. Um, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I purposely waited until this afternoon to watch the trailer so it's still be kind of fresh in my mind and i watched the trailer and i was like i really want to watch it again but i've still got like i've got so much other stuff to do um this looks so fun uh my i'm giving it a thumbs up 
I do worry because, yeah, the book itself is not short. It is not a novella. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, I really hope that this isn't like a six-hour, you know, extravaganza. <laughs> Lydia. So I haven't got the chance to watch this because the last two days have been super crazy. Um, so I want to hold off on giving like an actual thought until I can see it. But based on what you guys say, are saying, it sounds cool, but I'm going to go thumb sideways just because I don't have that frame of reference yet. I don't want to give it one or the other without knowing. Uh, Tabitha, we have a uh, trailer on Rebecca. We do indeed. So I've watched this trailer too many times. Um, Netflix is doing an adaptation of Rebecca with Army Hammer, Lily James, and Kristen Scott Thomas. Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier is probably one of my all-time favorite gothic novels. And I've never watched a film adaptation. I know there's like a Hitchcock version done like a thousand years ago or something. Um, But this looks like the best adaptation of a book I've seen in a very, very long time. Like, I know that there's a lot of people in the book community that are really upset about it. They don't like the betrayal of uh, Mrs. DeWinter because Mrs. DeWinter never gets a name. She's always just Mrs. DeWinter. But I, I think this looks, this, this looks like the adaptation of anything I've ever wanted. Like, it's very close to script. Like, there were lines even just in the trailer that are actually verbatim from the book. Like, Manderley looked like I wanted it to look, which BT dubs is my dream home. Don't care what's happening there. Um, <laughs> I'm giving this a giant thumbs up. Like I cannot, I cannot wait to watch this. And it comes out October 20th and or 21st. I will be watching this October 21st without a doubt. I'm giving this a thumbs sideways. Um, nothing wrong with the trailer itself or anything, but it was just like I just wasn't feeling it. Like. I don't know. It just, I, I just didn't. It. I didn't think it was bad. I just don't think it's for me. So, eh, thumb sideways, Lydia. Yeah, I'm also gonna go thumb sideways just based on the fact that I'm not sure if I could hold my own attention long enough to watch it. It looks good, but I'm bad enough at holding focus for movies. And yeah, like Mitch said, it didn't quite grab me the way I wanted it to. But it looks good. Matt. So I, as a book nerd. Um, English major. Um, I'm very familiar with Jane Eyre, which is one of the original gothic novels. Um, I knew that Rebecca is a gothic novel as well with the supernatural element. Um, And I've always wanted to read it. This trailer didn't really grab me until about halfway through when you really started to see some of that dark twist coming in. Um, I'm intrigued. I want to know more. Um, It took about halfway through the trailer to get me, but I'm still going to go thumbs up. I'm just going to throw this out there for you guys. Rebecca is not a gothic love story. And if they do this film correctly, you will in no way end this movie feeling any kind of mushy, mushy goodness. Like the trailer kind of leads you to assume (laughs) that there's like, oh my god, what a cute love story between a lady's maid and a super rich man. Nope. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just, it's nope. It's like those people that think Wuthering Heights is a love story. Rebecca is also not a love story. Do not be tricked. Do not be fooled. 
you were not signing up for a Valentine's Day movie. You were absolutely signing up for a, like a Halloween movie. I am more intrigued now. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of Rebecca, the book, the first time I read it, I had to put it down because I was sweating. Like I don't sweat. Like I was sweating while reading it. So I had to walk away. And the second time I read Rebecca, I knew what was coming. I was still sweating. So <laughs> gross. Right, you're welcome. <laughs> so the last trailer um, that we are going to talk about was actually, it comes out tomorrow. Uh, it's a Will Wheaton movie by the name of Rent-A-Pal. Uh, I had never even heard of this until earlier this week. And it, basically it takes place in the 90s. And Will Wheaton is this guy on a VHS tape that talks to this other guy. And creepiness ensues. And... I just, I kept saying throughout the trailer, I was like, huh? Huh? What? <laughs> huh? What? Um, I got a little creeped out in a really, really good way. Um, I'm going to give this a thumb sideways. I don't know that I'm going to watch it, but I mean, but, you know, anything with Will Wheaton is at least going to get a thumb sideways out of me. So, uh, Lydia. Yeah, also thumb sideways. Um Will Wheaton, creepy tones, 90s stuff. Sign me up even if it ends up being trash. <laughs> Matt? Yeah, I think I'm just going to echo that. I mean, I creepy and Will Wheaton in the same sentence. Not that Will Wheaton's creepy, but I... <laughs> <laughs> um, he's doing something that could be creepy. Nope, that's not even bad. <laughs> uh, we're just going to go thumbs up and leave it at that. <laughs> Tabitha? Uh, you had me at Will Wheaton. That's literally all you ever had to say. He's the perfect human. Uh, and then you added the 90s and checking all my boxes. So I'm going to go thumbs up. Uh, Lydia, this is a little old, but we haven't talked about it. You've got some info on Dear Evan Hansen. Yes. Yeah, so uh, they talked about uh, they're doing a movie adaptation, I think, back in like 2018. Um, we finally got some um, casting news and a potential, like, release date maybe possibly um it was finally confirmed that um ben platt will be reprising his role as evan hansen um then you also have julianne moore is playing evan's mom uh amy adams will be playing cynthia murphy uh connor murphy is being played by ryan uh, colton ryan caitlin dever is zoe murphy danny pino is uh zoe and connor's stepfather uh, Larry Murphy, and then you also have Amanda Stenberg, uh, Nick Dodendy, that's probably not how you say that, uh, and Demarius Copes. So um, a couple bigger named actresses for the moms. Um, I like that they're keeping Ben Platt for Evan. I know there was some speculation because they were worried that he was going to age out of the role before they got the chance to do it, um, but I think that was the right call. I not sure I agree with putting such big named actresses in those roles. I feel like they should have gone with more musically inclined people for a lot of these. Uh, I think about the only one that really has much of a theater background besides uh, the one playing Connor is Amy Adams. So that worries me a bit. Um, and then their tentative release date is like maybe, maybe March of. <laughs> 2022 i have a cat trying to get on the keyboard don't mind me um i'm still worried about this i'm always weary of musical adaptations into movies they 
sometimes tend to fall flat of what the actual musical holds. So I like that we have some casting news, but I am still very wary of this entire thing. About the only thing that's keeping it anywhere near a thumbs up to me is the fact that Ben Platt is still Evan. So I'm going to go thumb sideways overall. Matt? Yeah, essentially the same. Like being able to keep Evan Platt as the main character. Nope. Ben what? Platt? Ben Platt. <laughs> Evan, Evan Hansen. Oh my God. Yeah. Too many names. Yes, right. Um, you keeping him in the title role, um, I think, is a great thing to do. But these, yeah, uh, like Lydia said, these musical to movie adaptations get kind of iffy. So thumbs sideways. I love Ben Platt and I love Dear Evan Hansen, but y'all, I can't. Fantastic. Stay. Oh, I dropped the F on because Amy Adams. <laughs> Amy Adams is the thing that made me drop the F bomb. I can't stand Amy Adams. I would rather saw off my own toes and listen to her sing. So I'm not going to be able to watch this because I'm not going to be able to handle Amy Adams because I want her to die in a fire. I hate her so bad. Wow. <laughs> like, my hatred for Amy Adams is worse than my hatred for Deanna Troy. Like, I can't stand Amy Adams. So what if... So this upsets me. So what if they reboot The Next Generation and cast Amy Adams as Counselor Troy? I will literally dig up Gene Roddenberry and set him on fire and salt his clothes. (laughs) I hate Amy Adams. I hate looking at her face. I hate listening to her talk. And I gotta hate when she sings. Ugh. And Lydia, I didn't even know this. You said it was old information. And like, you're talking. I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. Amy Adams, excuse me? Why? No. Stay out of my movies in life. Like... (laughs) God, I hate Amy Adams. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about Amy Adams. Most of them are turning the TV off when she's on. Um, thumbs, thumbs down. Yeah, even with my love for Dear Evan Hansen and my love for Ben Platt, I gotta give it a thumbs down just because they stuck Amy Adams in there. Um, my life is over. <laughs> I am going to give this a thumbs sideways, but kind of up. For me, yes, I'm glad that they kept um, Ben Platt. Uh, I wish, because I mean, I, I've listened to the original soundtrack many times. I wish that honestly they'd even kept more of the original cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you probably wouldn't have been able to keep everybody, but you know, especially the um, the girl that plays Zoe. Is that yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, Laura Dreyfus? I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like they should have kept her um, at the very least. But another reason why I'm giving it a thumb sideways is like, ah, uh, it's 2022. Like I know Ben Platt is still a young guy, but at the same time, it's like. They need to hurry on this because... They are they are recording now. They started recording, like, the end of August, I think. Okay. So, they're, okay. they're working on filming it now, so... Okay. Because, yeah, because before too long, he ain't going to be able to pass as a high schooler anymore. So, something that has already been filmed, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen has secretly filmed Borat 2. The film is going to feature Borat, who now thinks he's a big star after the 2006 film. Uh, He meets and interviews people incognito, and it's described as Cohen playing Borat playing Cohen. I'm giving this a giant thumbs down. I didn't really care for the first Borat, but it makes perfect sense that this has happened in 2020. Lydia. (laughs) I will be entirely honest. I have never watched the first one, but I have seen the trailers and even the trailers for this thing make me feel such secondhand embarrassment that like, (laughs) 
I cringe so bad. Like, we, we didn't need that. We don't need more. Like, 2020 is bad enough. Just stop trying to make it worse. Thumbs down. Matt, I'm not going to lie. I saw the first one, and I did chuckle at it. It was kind of entertaining. Um, but uh, we do not, like, second Borat, Borat film, this is a good idea not. Thumbs down. <laughs> Tabitha. I hate that he made that pun and that I hate that I caught the reference. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't need this. The only thing that Sasha Baron Cohen has ever played that didn't annoy me was the innkeeper in the Les Mis movie remake. And that's just because he was basically just being a giant jerk. And I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Um, no, we don't need more Borat. We needed less Borat when we had one Borat. So no thumbs down. <laughs> um. Matt, you've got some news on a new Doctor Who cartoon? Yeah, so Doctor Who Time Lord Victories is a multimedia crossover that is, I believe, currently happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it is going to culminate with a five, with five ten-minute episodes debuting November of this year on the Doctor Who YouTube channel uh, called Daleks! Exclamation point. Um, the synopsis is basically the Dalek empire comes up against a terrible force. Uh, the Daleks plundering of the archive of Islos unearths something ancient and deadly. Soon Skaro is under attack and the Dalek emperor is on the run. Can the Daleks defeat their adversaries and regain their planet even with help from an old enemy? Will this be the end of the Daleks? I didn't know that this multimedia crossover thing was a, was actually happening. Um, five, ten minute episodes, Daleks, I'm down for that. Now I just want to kind of go find the rest of this multimedia crossover and see what this is all about. Um, I'm always in for more Doctor Who, so thumbs up. Um, <clears throat> I will say before going to Tabitha, Matt, um, there was a comic book released last week that's a tie okay. into all this. So I haven't, I bought it, I haven't read it yet, but Tabitha. Um, my experience with the Daleks is like literally one episode of Doctor Who. Uh, but you guys are excited and I'm excited for you. So thumbs <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, giant thumbs up. Uh, especially because of COVID and everything. We're probably not getting new Doctor Who for a while. Um, so any Doctor Who is great Doctor Who for me. So yes, give it to me now. Lydia. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't Doctor Who enough to get a lot of that reference, but I do know what Daleks are, and I, you guys are excited, like Tabitha said, so thumbs up. <laughs> Lydia and I are the most supportive friends you'll ever have. It's true. This is true. Unless you're Amy Adams. Um, <laughs> I would never be friends with Amy Adams. <laughs> so, problem solved. <laughs> Uh, the cast of the original Princess Bride will hold a reading of the script uh, as part of a virtual fundraiser for the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. Um, it's going to be live streamed at 6 p.m. Central Time on September 13th. Uh, the event is going to require a sign-up and donation to view, but no minimum. Um, and also Patton Oswald is going to hold a uh, Q&A afterwards. Uh, I'm giving this a giant thumbs up. Uh, this is much better than the Quibi Princess Bride thing that we <laughs> talked about before. I'm a little bit worried with it being kind of tied to like a political fundraiser that 
some people are going to bash this because it's a political fundraiser, but still at the same time, um, I think it's great. So yeah, thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, I agree. This is a much better idea than whatever that Quibi thing was that they were trying to do. And I I do agree that it might gain some stigma because it's tied to a political thing. But overall, I love the idea of this. So thumbs up. Matt. Um, I'm, this is, I don't know. This is not the Quibi version. This is the original cast. Regardless of the political affiliation, I think it's great to have them all back together as much as possible. Thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, politics completely aside, like this is what we need more of in 2020. And this, this is the way they're going to fund and bring attention to politics. I'm here for it. Can I get more of these with other things? Like, <laughs> a giant thumbs up. Uh, Matt, we've got a Zelda prequel. Do So this, like Nintendo seems to be doing lately, these kind of surprise announcements. Um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is a prequel set 100 years before Breath of the Wild. It is going to be available already on November 20th. <clears throat> um, it's going to have like a local multiplayer co-op team-up option. Not a whole lot more available as far as info on this, but um, the tag basically says, join the struggle that brought Hyrule to its knees. Learn more about Zelda, the four champions, the king of Hyrule, and more through dramatic cutscenes as they try to save the kingdom from calamity. Zelda, Legend of Zelda, and the, the Link games are always ones that I wanted to play more of. Um, I think the, this is one of the best original properties that Nintendo's ever had. I think ideas like this are great, especially if you can do like multiplayer co-op for a game that has always been single player. So thumbs up. Tabitha. Um, yeah, I never played any of these games, but you guys know I'm a sucker for backstory, so thumbs up. <laughs> um, I'm fairly certain I've told you all my Z uh, Zelda story. Um, maybe not? No. No? Maybe? So <clears throat> when I was a kid, like one of my first memories is like waking up from a nightmare that involved Link. And I don't even really remember the nightmare itself, but I was so traumatized by that nightmare. I avoided anything related to Legend of Zelda or anything for years. By the time I was over it, I was over, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. So, uh, so for that, I'm going to have to give a thumbs down because the link scared me as a child. Lydia. <laughs> Did you just have like nightmares of him coming into your room and breaking pots or what? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. I guess I don't remember what the nightmare was, but like I remember waking up from it and being so traumatized and knowing that he was a central figure in it. I don't even know if he was a bad guy in the nightmare, but still, I was like, mm, no, I want no part of you. Okay. Um, forest. <laughs> um, on the actual topic, though, um, I have a question real quick. Um, there was a Breath of the Wild sequel being talked about at one point, right? Or was is this? that i think so i believe this is different okay say so i had wondered about what that when i saw the story um yeah i'm all about getting more backstory to this there there's already a lot of lore in this universe to begin with and just adding on to that's great so yeah definitely thumbs up so dc's uh generations event is being repackaged as an 80 page one shot called generations shattered for 9.99 
Uh, it's going to feature Commandy, Starfire, Sinestro, Dr. Light, Steel, uh, I believe Booster Gold, I didn't have him written down, uh, and Sinestro are... I said Sinestro twice. Whatever. Um, they're going to... <laughs> He's join, a central figure. Yeah. He's going to join, quote, the original Batman to take on a mysterious foe. So there's now speculation that because they were saying the original Batman and he looks like the, the costume that he's wearing is from the first appearance of Batman. So now it's, they're saying, so is this going to mean that the modern Batman is not the same as the original? So uh, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I like that they have changed it to just a one shot as opposed to an event, because you guys know how I'm feeling about events right now. I am intrigued by this idea of an original Batman um, but yeah, I'm, and plus anything Booster Gold, save his relationship with Harley Quinn, um, I'm here for. So yes, giant thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, say it. it. It sounds really interesting. And since you said it is a one shot rather than like some big thing, that sounds like a much better idea. And I, I'm going to be looking into this Batman thing because reasons. <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. Um, Maybe this is the way that more events should go. And I'd pay, you know, I'd, I'd pay 10 bucks for a one-shot 80-page event instead of a six-month-long 10-issue <laughs> event thing. Um, if this is the way things are going, fantastic. I love it. Um, you know, I'll take this over those stretched-out, useless events any day. So thumbs up. Tabitha. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Like, I don't, obviously, individual comic, but, like, when they do these events, like, even someone who, like, like me is not a collector, like, I can understand how stressful that would be. That would be, like, a, an author releasing, like, a 600-page book and being, like, but I'm only going to give you 100 pages at a time, and I'm going to spread it over six months. Like, I would riot in the streets. So I feel all of your pain. Um, <laughs> also, yeah, I'm like Lydia. Like, I'm super intrigued by this Batman situation, so I kind of need to know what's going on. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up. So the last story for Gut Reaction, and I'm going to apologize if I butcher any mispronunciations or anything like that. I'm just going to apologize now. Although I was practicing when I wrote this down. So... Um, <laughs> Poder Latinx has announced a digital voter registration slash uh, get out the vote campaign called Votar Es Poder. Uh, so the campaign is going to feature La Borenquena, who is a female Afro uh, Puerto, Puerto Rican superhero voiced by Rosario Dawson. Uh, so Votar Es Poder uh, aims to, quote, spread the word that Latinx can change their communities by <laughs> using their very own superpower, their vote. Uh, giant thumbs up. Um, I've always been a proponent proponent of going out and voting and everything. E you know, even if I don't necessarily agree with what you know, like if even if I don't agree with who you're voting for, or whatever, that's not for me to agree with. Uh, 100%. Anything that gets more people out to vote, I will always give a giant thumbs up to. Uh, Lydia. Yeah, absolutely. If it gets people to go out and do something like that, then definite thumbs up. And I like Rosario Dawson, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i echo pretty much everything else thumbs up especially for a drive to get more people to vote and tabitha voting is important everyone should do it also rosario dawson is my one true love thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> so she is the exact opposite of amy adams good to know correct yes <laughs> and she can actually sing truth priorities <laughs> 
So uh, we've got a few stories before we we've got two last stories that I definitely want to talk about. So I want to kind of go through these other ones fairly quickly. Tabitha, let's start with you. Uh, we've got a library garage. So this is like the most wholesome story on the internet right now. Um, Jennifer Martin, who is an elementary school teacher in Austin, Texas, has collected over 1,500 books and added them to a personal collection inside her garage where she has created a library. A bunch of them are donated, you know, whatever. Like she's she's been on this path to create this for so long and she's finally, it's come to fruition for her. And basically she has a a library that she's running out of her home. Um, children are allowed to come in and borrow uh, two books at a time. Um, it, they operate just on an honor system, good old fashioned, like uh, Dewey Decimal System library card situation set up. It's just, it's so cute. And this is basically all that's in her garage. Um, library guidelines and things have changed quite a bit recently due to COVID, uh, especially with like cleaning and things like that. And she's been on top of it the whole time. She's making sure that the children in not only her neighborhood, but the entire community of Austin, Texas have access to books, even when they might not have access to books, like when the schools are closed or bar like bookstores are closed or actual libraries are closed. She's been working very carefully to make sure she remains open. This is just incredible. This made my heart smile. Like, we need more of this in the world. And also I wish I had a garage so I could have a library inside my garage instead of the one in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is just, this almost made me cry because like I grew up in a very poor community. Our mm. high school library now probably has less books than I have in my house. Um, the town library has 97 copies of every John Grisham novel and that's about it. So which is not a good thing in case anybody's wondering. But um, like if this had been a thing in my town, like this would have gone over super well with me and like my younger friends and things like that. And even some adults like this could have, this could have been used. And like, there are so many communities where this could be used. Like just, I can't, I can't fathom a world where someone this good exists in 2020. Like think about the work that this person's had to put in, put, put into this during trying to figure out what she's going to do with her teaching career in 2020. And then is also making sure that children are getting the joy of reading out of her own home. Like it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. This is absolutely like one of the more wholesome moments out of 2020. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> so uh, Matt, I have a feeling this is going to be maybe a little less wholesome. Uh, we have a price on the Xbox series X. Yeah, it leaked the other day, and then Microsoft officially confirmed it, I think, yesterday. There are going to be two versions. There is the Xbox Series X, which is going to be $499. The Xbox, Xbox Series S is going to be $299. It's going to be the all-digital uh, version of the system, kind of like PlayStation 5 has already announced. They're going to have a version that is just digital games and one that has discs that you can insert um <clears throat> copycats what copycats yeah right <laughs> um yeah the xbox series s was not something anybody i think really had seen um until it kind of leaked um and microsoft went ahead and confirmed it they are both releasing november 10th uh they will also have an all access console and xbox game pass um ultimate 
The Series X is going to be $35 a month. The Series S is going to be $25 a month. I wasn't able to really figure out if that means that you will, like, rent the console. And, the like, instead of having an Xbox Live account, will you have, you know, this... Uh, subscription service. Yeah, this subscription service plus the console for $35 a month or how that'll work. Um, but I know that the... Xbox Live membership type of thing is going away and they're going with this uh, Game Pass Ultimate, which is going to take over. Um, it is that, that particular membership will also include an EA Play membership. That's kind of all we've got. We're still waiting for Sony to kind of answer the call and see what they're going to do. But we actually have official release date and prices for the new Xbox console before Thanksgiving. So... And those prices are also a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Right? Yeah, there was estimates that the the Series X was going to be upwards of six hundred dollars, you know, five ninety nine instead of four ninety nine. Um, so I don't know the the four ninety nine is kind of in line with the last ser- the last Xbox. Yeah, and then the digital version being cheaper is. I mean, that's definitely a, a pull for a lot of people right now. So, <clears throat> uh, Lydia, you've got a little bit of Supernatural news. I do. Um, so season 15 of Supernatural uh, got stalled due to COVID. Uh, they were like halfway through the last season. They had to stop production. Um, they finally got to start back up with the filming of the last seven episodes. And it was confirmed that... Jensen Ack- uh, yeah, Jensen Ackles actually gets to keep something when they leave the set for the final time. He actually gets to drive away in Baby, the 67 Impala that Dean Winchester owns. And guys, I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> and so is he. He, said, he says, I begged and begged and pleaded for years, but I finally got it this year. They're going to let me drive home the Impala. So just the fact that they finally went, yeah, okay, you know, you can have your car. Like, <laughs> how could you not give him that? I mean, I'm, I'm so happy. And then Jared Padalecki apparently has been, like, the, taking little things from the sets throughout the years anyway. He's got, like, <laughs> tons of stuff, he says. And, and he got a wife out of the deal. So, I mean, he's fine. <laughs> who needs a car when you have a wife? Someone who wants to get places. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I did see a thing where Jensen was talking about he is going to leave the car pretty much as it is for the, for as much as he possibly can. He said he is going to be adding an air conditioner because he lives in Texas uh, and a radio that actually works, but everything else is going to be staying exactly as it is. He's leaving the creeks in the doors. He's leaving the rips in the seat. Like Everything else is staying exactly as it was for the show. So I'm so happy. <laughs> Plot twist. In the uh, series finale, that car gets crashed and totaled. No, they've done that <laughs> once. <laughs> or twice. I've lost track. Three it, times been... the baby. Lydia Bell. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't last long because already the subreddit is back to normal. But there was a post on the Yankees subreddit uh, that suggested that the subreddit uh, should start posting about Yankee Candle Company if it got 200 votes. Because 
the New York Yankees have kind of gotten into a little bit of a slump, and their fans were tired of it, and so they're like, you know what? Until the Yankees start winning again, we're going to post about candles. And for like an afternoon, they did. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I looked a couple of times, and it was still like, you know, like, it was talking about, oh, hey, this is the scent of the fall, or, you know, whatever. Just silly <laughs> stuff like that. For a while, the, uh, like, because the picture or whatever, like, for the subreddit, is the Yankees logo for a while. It was the cover, or it was the logo for the Yankee Candle Company. <laughs> like, I love when Redditors do stuff like this. It's like, hey, I don't like what you're doing, so we're going to completely ignore you. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what it was. It was, like, a couple years ago, but there was, like, some TV show where, like, they were like, you know what, we're over... And I think it might have even been, like, a reality show. And I was like, we're over this, we're going to start talking about this thing. But... <laughs> But yeah, it's just it. It brought joy to my life, and when I looked at the next day and it was back to normal, I was like, "Oh, I, I guess maybe the Yankees won because I don't really." <laughs> I love um, when the internet bands together for good things like that instead of just being butts to each other all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so rare when they unite for good, but when they do, man, <laughs> it's a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lydia, you've got our last story of the night. Um, We've got a wild uh, Easter egg or a wild jelly bean hunt. Basically, but I mean, you, you still have to buy your own jelly beans, though. <laughs> so, uh, I lost his name. The owner of Jelly Belly, the creator of Jelly Belly, is um, setting up this giant treasure hunt for a golden ticket, which is actually a little golden dog tag. Uh, to win $5,000 and maybe the key to one of his candy factories. So first off, Willy Wonka called. He wants his royalty check. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they are doing this treasure hunt game. It's basically 50 bucks to play. So you pay 50 bucks to get the riddle to even attempt to find one of these golden dog tags. And if you find it, then you get five thousand dollars and then it says all players are eligible to join the ultimate treasure hunt to find the key but i don't know past that like what it takes to find this um but there's different hunts at different times uh and whenever the day and time of your treasure hunt starts you get the riddle to start hunting for this keychain so I'm not sure like where he got this idea besides just trying to be Willy Wonka. <laughs> which, first of all, you make jelly beans, not chocolate. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, guys. I don't know what he's trying to do here. Like, if you wanted to give away a, a candy factory, just give away a candy factory. Well, you gotta work for it. Um, <laughs> the 50 bucks seems like a lot, but... Yeah, return like if you win like even five thousand bucks on a fifty dollar investment is like pretty solid. Right, yeah, it's pretty but, solid if you win. Right, you win. again. Think about how much money he's making off of this, though. How many people are going to kick in that fifty bucks for him to just give away five thousand dollars? Right, like mm-hmm. five thousand dollars is chump change. Like he's like five thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. Yeah, I spent that on a Tuesday. Like. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing I was trying to find, and I didn't ever really find it, was like how many of these they're doing. 
it doesn't say exactly or where any of these will even be. So, yeah, and that's the thing too, because like you're, like you're actually out in the real world looking for a keychain, right? It's not like something that you're doing digitally on like Animal Crossing or something like that. That's what I'm understanding yeah. because one of the things that they were talking about was they wanted it to be like this family outing, like get grandma and grandpa to go out and hunt for this dog tag, which um, it, isn't there supposed to be a thing where we're supposed to stay home? True. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, grandma and grandpa don't need to go outside right now. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is that 50 bucks. I mean, you're not just spending 50 bucks on this no. wild goose chase. You're, I mean, any kind of travel expenses and that kind of thing as well. Like, so, I mean, you might win a factory, but you might also be taking a loss to do this. Saying it looks like, um, cause looks like tickets or riddles or whatever are sold by state. Okay. So is there one dog tag per state? So what, like if you're, are in the lower half of Illinois and the riddle is somewhere up in Chicago. Like you're screwed. You're not finding that before somebody else does. Right. So then also, you just wasted 50 bucks. Also, can you imagine like how mad you would be? Like if you like were almost there and then like some schmuck, like just comes across like, Hey, what's this dog tag doing here? Right. Like, <laughs> right. It's like a score free dog tag. <laughs> Well, I mean, at the same time, it does prevent those things where, like, remember when they were, like, putting whatever's under Pepsi bottle caps and people were going and buying, like, truck trucks of Pepsi? And they were like, I gotta find one subway. Like, it prevents people from doing that. But, like, at the same time, like, how many people does he have involved to be like, oh, we're dropping our Mississippi clue today. Let me go hide this in the swamp BRB. Like, like <laughs> I don't know. Look Okay, it looks like they're spread out a bit because it looks like the first one is South Carolina on the 20th of next month. Oh, no. These aren't in order. That's stupid. <laughs> that was the 20th. This one's the 14th. That's on second. Why would you not put them in date order? Now I'm mad. <laughs> you push Lydia too far. <laughs> You're gonna do it. Organize it properly. <laughs> well, that's, that's the first step in your hunt. Find out which hunt you're doing. Okay, well, it looks like the first one is October 2nd right now, if that helps anybody. <laughs> so if you live in Virginia and you want to do this, there you go. Is there one for Illinois? Um, hold, please. <laughs> Would also help if these were in, like, alphabetical order, too. Lydia, you have to pick an order. <laughs> <laughs> I want it both. You get one. Well, I mean, like, most of them still stay coming soon, so at least put, like... Right. Right. I don't know. It does not look like it. Okay. Either way, I'm not paying $50 to get a riddle that I will probably forget to figure out to probably have to drive to Chicago, because that's where everything in Illinois is, to get beat there by, like Mitch said, some schmuck, just so I can get a factory that produces jelly beans I won't eat because it creeps me out that I don't know what flavor I'm going to get. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. You own the factory because so then at that point, it's like, hey, well, guys, they can't change their whole marketing strategy and be like, OK, we're going to put all of the popcorn butter flavored in this box because mm. it's the only flavor that should exist. Uh, it's I mean, funny they do do that. that, though. 
Because I, I know, and it's weird, and like I don't know. Actually, one time I bought a box, the little popcorn-shaped box of the buttered popcorn-flavored ones, and there were probably ten buttered popcorn-flavored ones in there, and the rest were the coconut ones. That's oh. dumb. I was very. Also, <laughs> also, I just had a thought. You you win the factory, but. What happens then? Like, are you still a part of the Jelly Belly franchise? Or is it just like, okay, here you go. Here's a building. Have fun. This is why I would never have been Charlie Bucket. I am Veruca Salt through and through. <laughs> just a thought. Because then you just have this huge building that you can't do anything with. Uh, oh. I don't uh, like me. this challenge. Yeah. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with what's happening throughout the week. And be sure to let us know of any cool things we're missing out on from all of us here at The Geek Awakens. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Everybody, say bye. 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 bye.